Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR.org. I'm Anne. I'm sure you remember what it was like when you were searching for help, maybe for your husband, hoping to find the right program or therapist. That's why I started podcasting. I supported my husband through seven years of pornography addiction recovery, and not one therapist during that time told me I was experiencing emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. I didn't want any other woman on the planet to be in the dark. If you're like the majority of my listeners, you're experiencing the type of abuse that's invisible and difficult to wrap your head around. Your husband is using porn or having affairs or lying to you, and you're getting the same bad advice about how to improve communication or your relationship. If you need support from women who totally understand, check out our daily group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a session today. One simple anonymous way to help spread the word is to click, follow, or subscribe to the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. While you're there, every five-star rating helps make this podcast more visible and will help save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program that will make this type of abuse worse. For those of you who follow or subscribe to this podcast, thank you so much. Your support means so much to me. Claire, who is a member of our community, is back with us on today's episode If you did not listen to last week, listen to that first so you know what's going on and then join us here. We're going to just jump right back in. So you attended your church's addiction recovery program, which is a program for wives of porn addicts or wives of sex addicts. Talk about your experience with that. So initially he was the only one going and this is back when it was very first even starting. And so they actually didn't have the women's group when we first started. I loved going to the meetings because probably because I was a hermit because I didn't have any friends because I wasn't taking care of myself. So this was like the only time where I was talking to women. But the, of course, the main thing I am upset about is that they didn't teach about that lying is abuse, right? That's the main thing that made me upset. So I actually, when I, when they said women whose husbands use pornography, that they are, um, have PT, all, everybody's got PTSD symptoms. I felt like seen in that But at the same time, and I felt like, oh, like I feel super stressed out, but that's normal. So it did like take a weight off of me. But at the same time, it was like, oh, but it's because I feel like he's cheating on me when he's looking at porn, but he isn't. So it's just like this illogical emotional response. What? I don't know if they taught that or that's what I got out of it was that it was you feel like he's cheating on you because he's looking at these pictures and that's why you have this PTSD response. Or the the reason (laughs) you're still having trouble is because now you've got a problem and it's PTSD. And so now whenever you react to him or whenever you're having a hard time, it's because you have PTSD, but nothing's necessarily wrong with him now because he's being honest suddenly after 25 years of not being honest. Suddenly he's getting gold stars. Good for him. When it's like, number one, PTSD symptoms. Yes, we all have them. Could Could we get diagnosed with PTSD? Yes. And I also want to say that's completely normal. Like you're completely normal. You don't have some disease. There's nothing wrong with you. The reason why you're reacting like this is because you're being usually currently continually being abused. You're being lied to, coerced and manipulated. If you were completely safe and you felt completely safe, you wouldn't be reacting 
you know, like you wouldn't have the anxiety you're feeling when you're around. Yeah. I don't know if that's what they taught or if that's that's just what I got out of it is you you're having a PTSD response when you find out your husband's looking at porn. But it's like it's not because I'm like, oh, I I emotionally feel like he's cheating. It's like he's lying. You're you're in a relationship with someone who's being compulsive sexually and is lying to you. So like that is not safe. So you don't feel safe. And you have these PTSD symptoms because you're actually not safe. (laughs) So like, so your feelings are legitimate. And that was a huge piece that was missing was like, why don't you teach that lying is abuse and, and you're not, you're actually not safe. (laughs) Also, what is the PTSD? If you're going to say that from, it's from abuse. Porn is abuse, right? Because they have to lie and there's all that stuff going on around it. So it is from abuse that's what it's from it's not from quote-unquote just porn or whatever it's from the whole system of coercive control that's what the ptsd is from and they they're not seeing that they're saying oh you have ptsd symptoms and it's from abuse because you're being abused right or at least that's not what you got out of it it's so interesting i i really love the the mormon walla model because it how it kind of breaks it out into the compulsive You've got the compulsion and then you have the entitlement and then you have the abuse, right? And so even if you just had the compulsion, if you had someone who was using porn, but they weren't lying about it at all, that you would still feel scared because they're being compulsive and they're doing something that's demeaning to women. But still to me, it would seem like I feel at least 80% safer because if you're telling me right away, at least I know what's happening. And that's the piece that I didn't see until it was like, until you guys kind of split that out for me that it's like the lying is part of the abuse yeah i i see this a lot with victims and i i want to say like beware of this they'll be like yeah he was using porn and then he says he stopped and he didn't use for a while right and i'm like who said he wasn't using for a while and how do you know that we never know we never ever can know if they want to use porn, there is literally no way for us to know that they're not using and except for their behavior. So when women say to me, they stopped using porn, but they were still angry. And, and I'm like, you don't know that they didn't stop porn, right? You have no idea. There's some men in my life that I genuinely don't believe use porn at all and never have because their behaviors have been consistent over time. But if a porn user says to me, I've stopped, but their behavior is relatively still the same. There's literally no reason to believe them that they've stopped. And even if they have, who cares? (laughs) Well, Kim Day says that um, even if they do stop and, and my husband actually, he would have like six months and they'd use it again and six months and use it again. It's still the whole, they've been watching porn. Like they may, they probably already have an entitlement attitude that they're struggling with. Like I'm entitled to women and women should show up like this sexually. And then you're watching porn, which a lot of times, you know, has abuse in it. And besides being demeaning to women in general, and she said, then they stop using the porn, but they still have abusive behaviors that they learned from the porn. The whole attitude of being entitled towards women is like the source of abuse. So even if you end up with someone who isn't using porn, you're likely still going to have the abusive behaviors after the fact, if they stopped in the first place, what you're saying. But 
My goal in life is that whenever any woman finds out that her husband's using porn and it is a surprise to her, right, or finds out that he's been lying or an affair or something, that the first thing they learn about before they even think about pornography addiction, recovery, before they even think about love languages or men's sexual needs, (laughs) anything like that, that they learn about abuse. Because once you learn about abuse, all that other stuff is you realize it's ridiculous. Like if you learn about abuse first and then you learn about pornography addiction recovery, it's like, this is ridiculous. If you learn about abuse first and then you learn about uh, men's sexual needs, quote unquote, you're like, that is ridiculous. So the abuse education helps you dismiss all the misogynistic societal slash religious exploitative privilege that men have because that is systemic and it's everywhere. If you really have a good handle on abuse, it's easier to dismiss it from all of the different places that it is coming from. Well, and you're going to be able to see it, whereas you probably wouldn't. If you just were thinking about the porn, then you wouldn't be able to see the other patterns Mm -hmm. because it's pervasive. It's not not just porn, at least for me. (laughs) I think we both want desperately for women to be more educated about abuse when I first found why does he do that I wanted to literally like load up an airplane and put little (laughs) little like parachutes on why does he do that and throw them out and just be like everyone needs to read this book actually felt angry when I read it because I I just felt like this is so awful I don't know because it like physically made me sick Whenever I go to a therapy appointment that's like actually useful, they're usually challenging. You know, it was like my whole perspective, my whole world was kind of like dumped upside down. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's because he's he shocks you back into mapping their intentions, and it's well, a rough. <laughs> it is rough. I think the other thing is, I'm not that way, right? I mean, like I'm putting that in quotes. Like you think of a, a domestic abuse victim in a certain way. Right. And you're like, I I have a college education or I would never stand for abuse. Like we have this view of maybe ourselves and who we are. And so to accept that we are an actual victim of abuse is very heart wrenching. It's like embarrassing. It's hard to like wrap your head around. It's something that you sort of want to push off. Also, the consequences of it are so intense. I remember being like, okay, he's abusive, but I don't want my family to fall apart. So what am I supposed to do? Like, okay, I'll just live in abuse, I guess, because I don't want to have to get divorced. I remember I went through, you know, I don't know, a month or two of that in my head, realizing he was abusive and then thinking like, but I, I don't like the consequences of this. So can I call it something else? Can I do something about, you know? So I think that's why it's just so heart-wrenching to find out you're a victim and realize that, like, your life is going to have to change and not due to anything that you did, right? You have to face this awful, terrible thing. And and also, no one is coming to help you. BTR is here, and we've got awesome online BTR group sessions every day, and we have podcasts and workshops and things to help women. But, like, I, I always think about the, the Israelites. God parted the Red Sea. I see that as education about abuse. So Mm. when you finally are educated about abuse, that's like God parting the Red Sea for you. But you have to walk through. Yeah. You have to start walking. And no one else is going to start walking it for you. Like no one else can set boundaries for you. No one else can do that. And that is hard too because it feels like who's going to help me? Like I'm the victim here. And you are. And I was. And I remember like even court situations where I felt like no one is helping me. Clergy won't help me. Therapists won't help me. Like no one will help me. And then I... Like now I look back and think, oh, I've learned so many skills now 
especially strategic thought and communication tactics, which is a workshop that we have here that has like totally changed everything for me. And I, I am like, wow, this interacting with my abuser in this way has like changed everything. And I could do that myself. Like I didn't have to have the court do that or a therapist do that or something else. Like that was something that was totally within my power. And so I think those two things, right? The, the see, learning about abuse is parting the sea. You have to walk through and, and no one is going to save you. You are going to be your own hero with, if like from my faith perspective, through the atonement of our savior, like he can make this horrible situation, like good for you. When I say good for you, I mean, like you can learn and grow and receive so many blessings as you rely on Christ. From my faith perspective, I see it that way. And I'm grateful for the experience, but it is harrowing. So can God help? Yes. Can our savior help? Yes. I don't mean to say like you're all alone, but I just mean you have to, you have to walk through. Yeah, I do feel like the community, like the BTR groups, just having someone listen to you and understand, like believing you is very validating. I feel like that's essential because you already kind of feel like it's very shocking and disorienting. So, I mean, they can't take the actions for you, but that emotional support for me has been really vital because I'm like, am I seeing this clearly? Like this is, I feel, you know, I feel like I am, but that's been super, super helpful for me. And I was like, holy crap, my whole life. <laughs> Where was this information 24 yeah. years ago? Well, and that's why I started it, because we're the same age and I, there was nothing. And There wasn't anything. They were just hard, barely becoming aware of pornography, you know. Yeah. I started BTR because even at the time when I started it, when I started podcasting, there was nothing. And I knew there was nothing because I'd worked in the pornography addiction recovery industrial complex for years. And so I knew that there, there wasn't anything. And the ways that people were talking about it, they were not including abuse. They weren't making abuse the central issue. It was like, yeah. oh, and then he might be abusive sort of on the side, but it was not the central issue. And I think it is the central issue. Real quick before a response, there are a lot of so-called betrayal trauma therapists or coaches or groups out there, but they don't approach pornography use or infidelity as an abuse issue, or they try to quote unquote treat both the abuser and the victim in the same setting which is unethical. So if you hear something in this episode you relate to, check out the group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a group session today. Now back to our conversation. Yeah. And for me, that wasn't, I almost feel like, don't get mad at me, but I'm like, I actually don't really care about porn anymore, but like, I'm just, yeah. I don't even, I don't even care. Like, can you please stop trying to control me? Like, mm -hmm. let me make my own choices. Don't gaslight me. Don't blame shift me. It's been the the emotional abuse, especially since it's been so covert, that's been really destructive to mm -hmm. me. And I feel like, yeah, guys, can you please expose that so that <laughs> women can move on with their lives? Because when you're focusing on the porn addiction, it's like all the focus is on the porn and that he's like this victim and he's struggling. And the focus isn't on the wife getting boundaries and safety for her. It's also not on him not being abusive either. Yeah, not being honest. And and then it's like, oh, how long has it been since you've been, you know, oh, okay, wow, it's been like six months. That's amazing. But it's like, well, you know, he got really angry at me yesterday because I wouldn't watch a movie with him. And, you know, like, <laughs> like all this other crazy stuff. How long has it been since you've thought a misogynistic thought? How long has it been since you thought, oh, why doesn't my wife wipe off the table. What's her problem? 
right? Yeah. Instead of being like, oh, the table needs to be wiped off. I am going to get a rag and wipe it off because I'm an adult and I live here. Just please empower me. That's what I wanted. I want information. Like take, I want the 20 year old me. I'm sure there's, you know, thousands and thousands of women just to have that piece of information. This is abuse. And then she can go and figure things out herself and she can learn and she can put boundaries down. And because he didn't change at all, even with all the information, we were having all these discussions and he's, I love you so badly. And I, I want to do all these things until I was like, I'm done. Like we're, and so that's actually would have been in his benefit, not just my benefit. If we had learned this stuff earlier, because it's been decades of him having a great time, getting sex where he wants and me taking care of everything, but not having a strong relationship like he that's in his best interest, too. That's what he actually does want and was going about it a really, really, really unhealthy way. You're not helping the men either when you just try to preserve the marriage at the expense of a healthy marriage. You're not helping anyone submitting to evil. Yeah. If you're complying with wickedness, I'll just that's the word I kind of like to use. Because you're being coerced to do so, right? And because you don't understand its wickedness. So this is not to put any blame on us because we didn't know. We didn't understand. Yeah, no. If you can't see it, how are you? You don't have the words for it. How are you supposed to stop it? There's no way that I would have seen it. I've been to therapists that couldn't see it. So there's no way me as a young wife, there's no way I'm going to understand. No. And in saying that, the end result, even though it's not your fault and even though it has nothing to do with you, of basically complying with wickedness, thinking, oh, if I have more sex, then he'll be nice, is not good. It's enabling evil. Yeah, it is. It's enabling evil. And it's not enabling it because you're not meaning to and you don't know what it is and you're not doing it on purpose or anything, but trying to be a good, nice wife. Yeah, <laughs> it's not good for you. And it's also not good for your marriage. And it's not yeah. good for him. Yeah, not good for him either to stay in this um, stasis of immaturity. Mm-hmm. So, but he sure wouldn't have chosen to grow up unless it was like, hey, this is, I'm done with this. So sometimes that has to happen. Well, that should happen all the time. <laughs> Abusive men are goal oriented. His goal is to get back together. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So the grooming right now is super, super goal oriented. If he's saying these things to get back with you. Once that goal is accomplished, then he'll then, slide back. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he will or not, but like if if it's goal oriented, that's what would happen. If it's sincere, then it wouldn't. So trying yeah. to figure out is this genuine sincere change or is this grooming with a with a particular goal and time, like a lot of time and a lot of observation is the only thing that will help you know that. Yeah, 100%. And I I don't feel even competent to do that at this time. So I'm glad that she's helping me. Yeah, he's definitely goal oriented. The first month we were separated, he was very angry and, and victimy. So and not able to hear anything about himself. So at least now he is like, listening, accepting it. So that's huge. And I think he's sincere in that. Um, He still really struggles to see where he's lying to himself. And but he did a week and a half ago was trying to push me to set a reconciliation date. And I said, I don't feel comfortable doing that. And so, and he lied and said he wanted to talk about something else and then pushed me to set a reconciliation date again. And I accused him of being pushy. And this is where like all the gaslighting, this is the part that people can't see comes out. He's like, you're, you're being a horrible communicator. You're not supposed to label my intentions. You know, you're not supposed to do that. And 
like he just kind of flipped out and did the whole like blame shifting gaslighting thing and so and then I was like and my problem is I'll sit and freeze and just listen to it and so that's been really awful for me and which was crazy because I already knew I should get up and leave so anyway that's something I need to work on I am working on <laughs> and my therapist is amazing because I was like I don't want to say you are gaslighting I just want to be like it seems to me like you're gaslighting she's like no you are like you are gaslighting I'm done talking to you when you can tell me what you did that was gaslighting then we'll talk and so I feel super happy about that because then it's just all on him to figure it out instead I've tried to be like logic minding him and I'm like no well you actually were pushy because I said no and then you asked me again and then that just gets him angrier right the strategic stuff that we recommend in the strategic thought and communication workshop is actually not confronting them at all about their abuse that would be like toward reconciliation, right? Like that's how a relationship works. You point out with someone, hey, you're doing this thing and then they listen to you and then they alter their behavior, right? With abuse, my perspective now is to not mention it at all and just slowly move away and see if they change their behavior from a distance. Yeah. Like observe, observe it. And when they do it, be like, huh, I gotta, I gotta be somewhere. And back away and then see see what happens cuz they enjoy that they they like the confrontation they like yeah but i i like the tool that she just gave me though because it's yeah, like yeah. i am exiting this conversation this is what i see and the responsibility on you is to look at yourself and figure it out and i'm leaving now and then just continue to have that space until he until he looks at himself so i i feel optimistic yeah. about it but it is his it is his choice and it is really hard but i feel safe because i have good help and all the information. I really feel like most women would not do this to themselves if they have. You just have to have the words for it. We're going to pause here and Clara and I are going to continue talking next week. So stay tuned. If this podcast is helpful to you, please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating. Thank you for helping other women find us. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon, and Rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on Support the BTR Podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there.